1: And enjoy. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number eight. I got Zach Bellani. Did I say that right? You
2: nailed it, bro. Nice. <laughs> Zach
1: Belani. Nice. Zach Bellani from uh, Death Comes Lifting. I've been checking out his gear and his podcast recently. I love the gear. I love the message. I love what he's all about. We we're talking a little bit off air about, um, you know, personal stuff, music, all sorts of stuff. And uh, I think gonna be a great show and I'm really excited to have him here. So uh, without further ado, Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Hey, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, Saying that again, officially on air. Honored to be here. I'm always kind of a uh you know, I'm sure you get, you get this too. I do podcasts, you do your own podcast. So it's kind of like, a, it's fun to do them. But when someone asks me to come on their podcast, I'm like, are you sure you want me on the podcast? Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck this up or anything. Like why? So I'm always humbled and honored at that. So thanks, man. Of course. And, uh, yeah, I run this, uh, stupid little health and wellness company called death comes lifting. Uh, our slogan is fitness for the misfits. And I try to Provide just that, you know, a uh, a safe place that uh, the weirdos can come and work out and get in good shape, and it be cool and accepted within underground heavy music circles and horror conventions and things like that. Where I grew up as a kid and being a gym person in that whole world, I always felt kind of out of place on either side of the coin. So I really felt the need to make these two worlds come together, and uh, started with a few shirts. And lo and behold, five years later, we have basically every kind of merch thing you could ever want and a whole podcast and a community. And it's really grown kind of beyond my beyond my dreams, as corny as that sounds. It's, it's true. So th- thanks for being a part of it to you and everybody listening, you know.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm very, very happy to have you here. And um, as we were just kind of shooting the shit earlier, I, I love having more holistic health you know, based kind of people and people in the exercise and wellness kind of world. Um, What you're doing is very, very unique because, as we were saying off air, the heavy metal horror scene kind of world, although those are two different things for the most part, somewhat.
2: (laughs) Yeah, somewhat.
1: um, There isn't a big health and wellness kind of deal. You know, there are like the straight edge, hardcore kids, who mm-hmm. I guess kind of have that health kind of approach, but it's not quite as obvious as it would be in you know necessarily other niches. But uh, it, it's really neat to see you kind of bring that to the forefront with a uh, really unique brand that I think even appeals to people kind of outside of that.
2: Well, thanks, man. That was my that was always my goal too. You know, when people when I came to people with this idea, you know, a lot of people like that's super niche. You know, I can't mm-hmm. see it being really successful because you have like the lifting gym world that's kind of niche and then you have heavy music and horror that's kind of niche and putting those two together is even more like i I don't know Mm -hmm. but like you'd really be surprised man i mean like we (laughs) the the freaks are strong out there and i always wanted to um kind of make this a brand that would transcend like you don't have to go to the gym you don't have to like fitness to wear my clothes or you know the death comes lifting apparel uh, and you don't have to necessarily like horror, and heavy metal and punk rock. If you want to work out in it too, you know, there's plenty of people that don't, I have, it's, it amazes me our, um, our audience, you know, I call them the lifting dead army, our supporters, everyone that has, has our shit. Um, you know, they send us pictures and they tag us in our Instagram. That's where we do everything. And it's, I mean, it's everything from the craziest tattooed power lifters that you would expect mm-hmm. to, uh, moms dropping their kids off at fucking jujitsu practice (laughs) and like it's it's everything in between and it it warms my heart to see that because i really wanted to make it for everybody you know and those that get it get it and those that don't we don't need them to you know
1: right yeah that's awesome and uh especially hearing kind of how you refer to it as the uh lifting dead army you really seem to have your brand nailed and i think that's that's so cool especially in such a niche environment and when you know people really kind of flock to that and you know i see all your posts and kind of the way the websites line are uh, laid out and your merch and just everything top to bottom i think is really unique and has a uh the brand's just incredibly recognizable you know and i i just love everything about that that you have a very recognizable brand and that even there's a little bit more of a wide range of people who you ness nece- you wouldn't necessarily think would appreciate it but do Oh, yeah, man. Thank
2: you. And um, the reason I think anyway, how it became to be like that is um, I treat this like it's my band, you know, and Mm -hmm. right now I I happen to be the lead singer of this band. And uh, I'm influenced by, you know, the Misfits, Black Sabbath, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, fucking Slayer, like the Danzig, all those guys like that's that's what I grew up on. That's what I grew up listening to. I did not go to school, college. I have no idea how marketing works. I have no idea how business works. I look <laughs> at my heroes and bands and art and uh, just try to emulate what they do. And I think the uh, the best bands, you know, image-wise and marketing-wise, uh, they kind of st- are still around and stand the test of time for a reason. And I uh, just studied that shit and I put it into to my brand. And that's how... That's how I do things, man. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, and that that's to get it's how I continue to do it. And it's been um it's been fun for me, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I guess one question I had, you mentioned Black Sabbath there. Oh yeah. We're, man. We're, we're probably gonna get a little bit off on a tangent here, but uh uh what would be your kind of top three Sabbath albums?
2: Oh man, okay. Let's go. Uh my number one is mm-hmm. sabotage. That's my that's my favorite one. It's okay last one with Oz, I fucking love that album. Mm-hmm. Sabotage. Uh, number two would have to be Master of Reality. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a big Aussie. I'm a big Aussie era fan. I love the Dio stuff. Um, but I'd have to say number three would have to be the first album, Black mm-hmm. Sabbath, the self-titled. I also love, though, probably my fourth favorite album. And not many people know this. I don't know how into Black Sabbath mythos you are. They yeah. have a
1: whole era where Tony Martin was the lead singer i'm not that familiar with it i, I you know i've only it? heard good things i know about it but I've, I've heard a lot of good things and it seems kind of like it flies under the radar a lot yeah uh, yeah
2: yeah and the, it's not on like spotify and shit uh you have to either have like the physical media or look it up on youtube but i have the tape here and my one of my very favorite sabbath albums is headless cross and this is a okay. it's tony martin era he sings it Sings on it and it's like spooky. It's like a perfect kind of combination of Dio and Ozzy. You know, it has like the power metal vibes of Dio, but it's like doomy like Ozzy. It's fucking great. Wasn't so, it that
1: that album came out in, I think it was 96, right? The Headless Cross. I'm, it is 89, 1980.
2: Really? Headless Cross, I, yeah. I,
1: I had that album downloaded. I could have swore it was 96. I might be thinking about something else. Um, Kind of the reason why I asked that is because, you know, it's a heavily debated topic when you start talking about Sabbath. If you tell people you like Dio, some people think it's like heresy, but man, I'll tell you what, Die Young, Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules. I mean, some of that stuff's fucking amazing. And uh, like I said, some people think you're a heretic if you tell them, well, you know, Dio's pretty good too with Sabbath.
2: Oh dude, yeah. I mean, I love all all Sabbath. There's not, there's nothing. There's just ones I love more and ones I love less. You know. Yeah, yeah fair I, I, I hate even like ranking them because like I love them all. I'll listen to Dio all day long, but I prefer Aussie. Mm-hmm. I think that's that just inner uh, depressed stoner kid in me that really connects with <laughs> with that shit. You know. Um, and it's just catchy, you know, and it's it's classic, you know. I, I put on something like paranoid and you're you're immediately back in 1972 you Mm -hmm. know and i I think that's a a special thing that not all music can do
1: yeah you know when you think about certain songwriters like ozzy ozzy i'm sure he would probably even agree was definitely not the most melodic singer but you know you look at dio and he's incredibly melodic but there's differences there that are you know some people may prefer someone that's a little bit more of a straightforward songwriter like Ozzy where Ozzy's a little bit simpler but it's easier to kind of catch it's easier to digest versus oh, yeah Dio or Dio's a lot more melodic and um you know that may be for a little bit more of a specific kind of ear
2: I love that the, the hellhounds are in the background as we talk about, talk about Dio. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't
1: know. My dogs are going crazy downstairs. The That's awesome. Yeah. They, they, heard,
2: they heard like the wild wolves. Of, of, <laughs> you know. uh, no, yeah, I, I completely get it. And uh, I actually have, I don't know how deep you investigated the, uh, my podcast, but every Sunday I do a Sabbath Sunday podcast with my mm-hmm. patron page. And uh, every week we, I, you know, go over a new album and we just talk about like lifting and Sabbath and it's oftentimes Mm. really stupid, but uh, it's really fun. And that's my way of introducing the world to all eras of Black Sabbath Mm. and uh, basically tell people, you know, why I love it. We pick out songs and stuff. It's a fun, nerdy, nerdy thing to do. So yeah, Sabbath is probably my favorite band of all time if I had to, if I really had to think about it.
1: Okay, yeah, I was listening to uh, your Sunday one for Blizzard of Oz. I can't remember how long ago that was. But those was, was one I was listening to this morning, right before I took my dogs for a walk. Um, oh, that's cool, man. I
2: appreciate you listening. And I'm also sorry that you wasted your time listening to both of those <laughs> things.
1: No, no, not at all. I uh, kind of want to make sure I'm familiar with my guests before uh, we start shooting the shit so I don't look like an asshole on my own podcast. Well, I'm sure I, I'm sure I don't need any other ways to do that. Yeah, you know, it's, good, it's good to say I'm sure I've done that many times, bro. So no worries. Yeah. So um, I guess moving on to a different topic, what does your training kind of look like? I, you mentioned yoga a bit and, um, you know, I, just, you know, kind of what does your week look like when it comes to training?
2: I honestly wish um i had i had i had a really i had a really good answer for you here, but it always it always changes depending on what kind of what my goals are and what my cycle is is like um during the pandemic it really changed a lot because you know as you know, we were all confined to what we had in our house mm-hmm. or you know if we knew somebody with a gym or any you know everybody's situation was different and i I really focused a lot on calisthenics and, and, you know, yoga. And I I've, I've done yoga for fuck. I'm 27. Since I was 16, I've done yoga. So I've been doing yoga for like over 10 years. And that that's something I keep in my routine always. And if if somebody asks me like, what's your favorite thing to do? Like if I had to pick one form of physical activity, I would do yoga as much as death comes liftings in the name and whatever. I love yoga, I think, it's, I think it's all around, you can get strength, you can get cardio, you can Absolutely, get flexibility, yeah. and it focuses on, you know, your internal health too, you, you know, it, it detoxifies your organs, it makes, your, it makes you breathe better, it purifies your blood, your mental health, I mean, I could talk for an hour about how much I love yoga. Um, that being said, I always keep that in right now, mm-hmm. I'm trying to gain a little mass, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm back on a more power building type split, you know, so one day is like a leg day where squats, squats, the focus one day is back day where deadlift is the focus. And then you have a bench and arms kind of, kind of bodybuilding day. And that's what my week looks like. Um, you know, four lifting days, I do yoga probably four or five days. Right now, I'm not so concerned about cardio, but I like to keep my cardio you know, in check. So I'll go out and run a mile or two just to like prove to the world I can do it. If like the zombie apocalypse happens and I need to fucking bust out a mile or two, like I want to know I can do it, you know, but I'm I'm not trying to like beat John Joseph or anything like that, you know? Uh, So it's, yeah, it, it goes by feel, but over the summer I was doing a lot of yoga and doing a lot of cardio and was staying, you know, staying lean and wasn't really lifting as much heavy iron. So it goes, it goes back and forth and for someone as manic as me that needs like different interests throughout throughout the year, I, I like to switch up my training and kind of be a uh, jack of all trades, master of none, as I like to say.
1: Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I've always heard it said, and I completely agree that all movement is good movement. I try to walk as much as possible. Last summer, I was insanely focused on cardio. I kind of, the way I lost some weight I did a carnivore diet for about two years and I've since gone off of that but um last year I was doing tons and tons of cardio I ran 100 miles over the course of a month in June and then last October I ran a half marathon and that was a terrible idea because I didn't ran in like two months
0: yeah and I was trying to
1: also you know I was burning the candle at both ends essentially so now my training more so looks like a, a full body split five days a week with uh, you know, at least a, a half hour worth of walking every day, and I usually shoot for about ten thousand steps, but I normally get anywhere from like twelve thousand to fifteen thousand steps a day.
2: Badass man! So you do your full body five times five times a week. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. How's that? I mean, that I guess that it takes adjusting. To, you know, your body adjust to anything. right so you can you can totally pull that off i don't think i've ever done like a full body split that many days
1: though yeah you know it was interesting because i did bro splits for the longest time where i'd work you know pretty much one muscle each day of the week and i kind of did like a push pull leg split for a while and then i got a uh, x3 bar around when the pandemic was about we were about six or so months in so that way i had a a good kind of lifting system for at home and I did that for a little bit and then I moved on went back to push pull legs and then now I started doing a full body split but basically the idea is just that you keep your volume low enough. That you're not sore the next day, and you also kind of split it up so it's not like you're doing deadlifts every day, you know I kind of chop it up where it's like deadlifts Monday squats and. Bench Tuesday deadlifts Wednesday you know squats and press on Thursday and then Fridays another day deadlifting and then reverse that for the following week.
2: That's cool, man. That's interesting. I'll I'll have to talk to you about that if I, when I need to switch up my training. I'd like to hear you know more about what you're what you're doing. That's cool. I'm always looking for different different splits. Whether I'm writing programs for people, doing things myself, that's another thing. I make so many different programs mm-hmm. for so many different kinds of people that like I feel the need as a quote unquote fitness professional that to uh, kind of practice what I preach. You know, I like of to course. do everything so I can put it into a functional program for somebody. So I'm oftentimes, I'm my own guinea pig. And that Mm -hmm. kind of, it's good, I think, you know, for for your mental health and to, you know, stay sharp and learn new things. But it also can kind of impede your progress. If you're really trying to focus on something, you do all kinds of different shit, you know, you kind of lose Mm -hmm. sight of like one main goal. So kind of always going crazy with that. But it's all cool, man. Anything's better than nothing. At the end of the day, I don't know where you stand on it, but Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to fucking break any records. I'm not trying to win any awards. I'm not trying to get on stage in a fucking Speedo. Like I'm trying (laughs) to stay in like in like really good shape and feel good Mm -hmm. and help people. You know, that's that's where I'm at.
1: Of course. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, Yeah. You know, I think we all kind of understand our place. And, you know, you see some people who are bodybuilders. And I think a majority of people would be delusional if we thought we could get as lean or as big as them. Um, you know, obviously we have all genetic potentials of different ranges. We're never going to know our full genetic potential, but I guess the argument there would be, you should just try your best to find out, but when you don't look yeah. like Ronnie Coleman, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't exactly be surprised, you know, cause he's kind of one in a million. He's the exception. He's not the rule. You he's know, most the king, man. You Absolutely. Know, you
2: can't compare yourself to the king.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And I guess that kind of tags yeah. on to another point I kind of want to get, um, you know, talk to you about is that um, when you look at people like that and when you talk about the fitness world, I think people do oftentimes have unrealistic expectations where they kind of want to have that single digit body fat percentage and Mm -hmm. they may be pretty overweight and I'm not putting people down like that, but sometimes I think people need to understand that like, okay, well, your goals need to kind of be a little bit more based in reality where, you know, there's been a lot of science recently that i've been reading up on that slower weight loss is a lot better than faster weight loss because you help maintain lean mass you maintain your metabolism and you know we should kind of get people more into the mind of look let's get you to lose weight slowly and your physique goals need to be kind of more based in reality We, we you shouldn't expect to be single digit body fat percentage year round because there's a very very small amount of people who can maintain that year round And it's just not realistic for people to get there, despite what they may think and what some fitness influencers may tell them.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Um, You know, slow and steady always wins the race. It's a a cliche for a Mm -hmm. reason. And if you know anything, anybody knows anything about bodybuilders or anybody, even actors peaking for a movie, they look like that for that week or that Mm -hmm. day that they're on stage or that time day they're doing the photo shoot and they start that process if they're doing it in the right way three months before the fucking pictures are even taken. easily easily right yeah so there's that whole thing that you know people need to understand that don't understand and you know not everybody understands that why would they if they're not in this
0: mm-hmm. kind
2: of realm you know i didn't before i you know got educated i'm like oh that's what you know arnold always looks like that's yeah. fucking arnold you know um so i get that but i think you know, what's even worse now is I hate to sound like the old guy, an old guy bitching about social media, but like <laughs> Instagram, you know what I mean? And social media, yeah? where no,
1: you have a point. Yeah.
2: It's not like, you know, Mr. Olympia happens once a year and you see all mm. these dudes and chicks in like great shape and like, Whoa, it's like every day, especially if you're in the fitness world, you have to post a picture of yourself working out mm. or, you know, a client of yours working out. And as somebody who represents a fitness brand I know I'm speaking personally for myself and I know it's bullshit but even I feel the pressure to be on top of my game like I feel the pressure to be at a low body fat and look good for Instagram you know Mm. and if I if I'm aware of that and I feel that how many people are really feeling that you know especially younger people and girls and the whole you know body image body image thing I think it's really dangerous you know and uh, I think a lot of uh fitness influencers kind of put that out there on a daily basis, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, you could be so shredded year round. And, um, I've been, I've tried to do that and I can tell you that it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, you might look good in the mirror or, you know, your girlfriend probably doesn't fucking give a shit either.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah actually. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They don't care. Um, and you're not as happy and you don't perform as well in anything. And uh, you know it's it's way it's way overrated. So I think people need to keep that in mind too. That you know Instagram's not reality, and those Absolutely. people are miserable nine times out of ten. And I've been one of those miserable people.
1: Right, right. So about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, I was the leanest I've ever been in my adult life. I was 179 pounds. I had visual abs. I looked pretty damn good, but my God, my energy was so low. And I'm like, man, I'm super light. And, you know, I still have some fat that I want to get rid of, but like, yeah. you know, I feel like shit. Yeah, I, I don't feel good at all. So that's when I knew. All right. I need to do a reverse diet. I need to start creeping up calories. I need to go back to maintenance. I need to hit the weights a little bit harder and feel good for a while. So, um, tagging onto what you were saying there, it's absolutely true that social media really does push out this unhealthy image for people. Cause you see these fitness influencers who, a lot of the time those pictures aren't current either. You know, these people take, they take tons of pictures with perfect lighting and you know, they paid for these pictures. They may even be edited. These people aren't performance enhancing drugs. Um, They feel like shit at the time, whatever. They put those pictures out year round. Like they're always like that. When, like I was saying earlier, a very, very small amount of people can maintain single digit percentage body fat year round being natural or even unnatural. But, you know, your body has so little fat that you're just, you're hungry, your sex drive is low, you're tired, you don't have energy to work out. And what I would encourage people to do, especially people like that in that situation, go to maintenance. You know, eat at a maintenance level of calories where you're not losing weight. Maybe even put on a little bit of body fat so you feel a little bit better and you can perform better. And then you know not only are you going to see better you know gains in the gym you're going to feel better you're going to everything's going to be better (laughs) you know and then if you really want to get lean you can get lean but just don't expect to stay that way the entire year and don't act like everybody can maintain that because once again not very many people can maintain an incredibly lean physique for long periods of time
2: sure i mean yeah the fact of the matter is there are genetic freaks out there that can do it and, and more power to them And for those people like that, you were just talking about that uh, fitness influencers that pay for these professional pictures and they're Mm -hmm. perfect. And they take, you know, performance enhancing drugs and that's their bag. I say, do it, man. Fucking good for you. I'm not putting that down, but what, what trips me up is people think that that is going to make them happy. You know, when that's Mm -hmm. connected, that's connected to happiness. I need to look like that person or, you know, live their lifestyle. And then I'll look like that and I'll feel better about everything. And, Mm -hmm anybody in the fitness world can tell you that while having a six pack is sweet and everything, it doesn't make you happy. In fact, oftentimes it's the opposite. And maybe, you know, that's why we put so much into it, you know? Uh, So it doesn't make you happy. And I want, I really want to focus on putting that image out there too, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're just trying to live healthy lifestyles, you know, my clientele base, I'm just trying to get in good shape, get, Mm -hmm. get healthy, but it's connected to your mind and uh, your, your spirit, too, like what makes you what makes you really happy, I'm sure, you know, and it's not about winning a bodybuilding contest or, or looking, you know,
1: perfect. Right, right. So, you know, I have current physique goals. So that's kind of why I personally weigh myself every day and watch what I eat. But mm-hmm. for some people, they may not feel that's healthy. They may feel like that's too much for them um yeah and you know the scale can be a little bit traumatizing and jarring for people i even have trouble f- with this because i was thinking about this yesterday but um you know that number on the scale doesn't represent your worth as a human being and if you're shredded you're jacked and tan and you can lift all the weight in the world you know what does it really mean if you have terrible relationships you don't feel good and you know you just you don't operate properly in your everyday life you know is that really worth it personally I don't really think so you should optimize your training and even your diet for the highest quality of life and if that means you know having a cheat day and eating cheesecake with your wife or whoever you know once a year going out to the cheesecake factory and enjoying a dinner or whatever you know have an ice cream on a nice day um if that's highest quality of life at that moment, then you should enjoy that. You shouldn't feel bad about it. But you know, obviously, there's shades of gray here. If you're enjoying ice cream every single night and it's causing you to gain weight, you don't feel good anymore. All right, well then now we have to work perhaps in the other direction. But you know, I think people should try to optimize their diet, their lifestyle to their highest, um, you know, quality of life. Versus where people sometimes think that it's just the most optimum physique. And oh, I got to lose these 50 pounds tomorrow to feel yeah. where I should be.
2: Exactly. And uh, that, that's why something I preach and one of my, you know, main influences in the, in the fitness world and philosophy world is Bruce Lee and mm. he emphasized balance, you know, and that there's right. a give and take, and be, be like water, my friend, you must go with the flow, man. Mm. And that's why I, I, I don't give any cool answers to any of these questions. Like, you know, everybody wants a black or white, Like Mm -hmm. I need to be doing this and I need to be eating this. And are you vegan or are you paleo? And my Mm -hmm. answer is sometimes, you know, I'm I'm a little, little bit of everything. You know, I feel like you should do everything. And I feel like you should have a cheat meal once in a while, but you shouldn't Mm -hmm. have 20 cheat
0: meals. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) It's just, it's really, life is really about balance. And Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of the key to, to being and peace of mind. And once shit gets out of whack, that's when shit starts getting weird.
1: Right. Um, and we don't have to dive too deep on this if you don't want to but uh when i was listening to your podcast you had mentioned something about having an eating disorder or anorexia and i kind of wanted your opinion on this because i had a a friend of mine message me the other day asking about how to do a carnivore diet because as i mentioned earlier i did it successful for about two years but what i found is that it's so restrictive that i would be good for maybe a week or two possibly even three weeks a month and then the weekend would come and my fiance and I would go out and I would just binge. If I had one carb, dude, it was game over. I was face down in two cheesecakes and a gallon of ice cream and all the cookies in the house were gone. (laughs) All the junk food was gone. So, and I I tried to tell her this. I'm like, look, you can do carnivore, you'll lose weight. You may feel good, but it's just not that sustainable. Or at least it wasn't for me. It may be for you, it may be for different people. There are people who've done it for 10, 11 years, whatever but don't think that could be you because it's going to be so restrictive. And like I said, for me, it would just end in binge eating. And that's not a healthy behavior despite, you know, Oh, look, I, I lost all this weight. Once again, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying. It's healthy, but balance, you know, if you're oh, binging yeah. on the weekend, you lost all the progress that you made throughout the week. If you, you know, you eat 2000 calories throughout the week, and then all of a sudden you have a binge day and you had 7,000 calories. Well, now you're back to where you started. Maybe you're even further away from your goals and you feel like shit.
2: Yeah, yeah, that really just goes back to to the balance thing too. And uh, I'm thankful that you brought up the eating disorder thing, because I'm always more than happy to, to talk about that. And yeah. I've worked with people and helped them through theirs as well. And uh, first thing, first thing that i like to point out is it never really goes away. You know, yeah. I it's, it, it's kind of like, yeah. it, it's kind of like an addiction too. that yeah. shit never goes away. You find healthier addictions, you find Ways to deal with it. But once you're an addict, you're always an addict. And once, most of the time, and once you have an eating disorder, once you're mental, you know, you got something going on, yeah, odds are you're going to be dealing with it. And maybe you'll be dealing with it really well. And, you know, it's almost like it's not there, but yeah. odds are it's going to linger. And any sort of restrictive diet, at least for somebody like me that does suffer from eating disorder, mental issues, um, it's it, like you said, it gets too restrictive. And it gets weird. And uh, it's either I cut myself no slack and I'm militant about it Mm -hmm. for way too long. And it starts like, you know, itching at my soul. And I'm like pissed off at the world because like I am have to be so strict and I'm eating vegan or carnivore or whatever box you want to put yourself into. And then when you finally cut yourself some slack, you know, all hell breaks (laughs) loose. it's the same thing for trying to be sober and then you have a beer and then the next thing, you know, you know, God knows, right. You know? And, um, I, that's why it's just, it's like, fuck it, man. It's just like doing a balanced diet, a balanced lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Is, is really the way to go. I don't know if you're into, um, Buddhism or anything like that at all, but you know, I've studied, I've studied the yoga sutras cause I am a yoga teacher and, uh, you know, Buddhism comes right, right along with that. And there's a really cool, uh, theory in Buddhism about, it's called the middle path. And I'm no Buddhist like expert. So anybody listening that like really knows their shit might like you like this dude's full of shit. Like <laughs> whatever, bro, I've read a few books, but you know, the middle path, there's a way of the middle path. That's just like, you're not a warrior but you're not some idiot peasant either. You know what I mean? You Mm got to just have your head on straight and do the best you can and live a little and be hard on yourself. when You need to be hard on yourself and cut yourself slack when you need to cut yourself slack because at the end of this life, you know, it's going to be over soon and you should really enjoy yourself, you know?
1: Right. And that's, I think that's something that a lot of people really, really need to hear. Um, And a lot of people are kind of looking for the quick fix and they want to, you know, cardio themselves off a cliff and oh i'm going to train six days a week i'm going to do three hours of cardio every single week they set up these unrealistic expectations this kind of gets to another area of conversation that i really wanted to have with you um you know how do we get people that aren't training at all but kind of have that inkling like hey maybe i should start doing something how do you get these people going on baby steps because for me what i always found to be sustainable is probably just like walking because there are tons of, you know, research benefits for just 10 minute walks after meals. Uh, Stan Efferding, if you know who that is, is a big, oh, yeah. big advocate for that. And uh, there was a study done and I actually breezed through it. Um, the 10 minute walks after meals are actually twice as effective as metformin, which is the most prescribed drug in the world for diabetes. So oh, if these people would just get up and walk for 10 minutes, which is easily sustainable, you know, you could reduce your insulin, you could get off metformin. I mean, that is amazing. So, you know, kind of what are your thoughts about bringing fitness more to the average person or to people who are just kind of looking to get started?
2: Well, I think that's great that you, you brought up walking because I'm a huge advocate of, of walking as well. I go for walks every single day, sometimes for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Sometimes if I have the time, man, i like, there's nothing I like more than like a fucking hour walk. Oh, like absolutely. Real- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a meditative experience. Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent pro- you know, of meditation. And, you know, I get that a lot of people freak out and they're like, I can't meditate. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Like going for a walk is a really close second to sitting down and meditating, especially if you have an overactive brain, like I think we all do. You know, I don't I don't think, you know, you're in the minority. If you say you can't sit down and concentrate because your mind's going crazy and you're full of anxiety, Mm -hmm. that's most people, myself included, you know, Um, but going for a walk, with or without music sometimes I, I i love music but you know a meditative walk away from your phone away from shit in your mm-hmm. ears is fucking with you to just go and experience nature and breathe and just connect with yourself that is so beyond healthy that like if, if somebody just did that once a week that's cool with me man i'd be I'd, i'm proud of you if you do that you mm-hmm. know but to get somebody on like a real physical fitness program i always ways you know it's different for everybody so I always like to start with well what do you like you know and if you're, you're the odds of them coming back to do to work out if they're doing something they like are way higher than if you just like all right we're doing fucking burpees and push presses and I'm gonna fucking run you into the ground we're gonna lose this weight or whatever mm-hmm. you know I I um it's, it's it's lifestyle change it's forming a new habit and if you can't form a new habit if you don't like something. So I always try to get down with the person and really try to figure out what they respond well to and then build their program around that. You know, that's basically it.
1: Nice. Yeah, I think that's a uh, good advice. And, yeah. you know, um, I, I just, I really think that more people kind of do need to hear that. Look, it doesn't have to be you jump off the cliff of fitness. It can right. be just, you can walk into this you can start you don't have to go to the gym every single day you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours on the treadmill because honestly what i think a lot of people don't know is that the more lean mass you have that the greater and the higher your metabolism is going to be so you know if we introduce people to more resistance training and you know just walking then you know okay if you want to do cardio that's fine but, you know, if we get more people lifting and gain a little bit more muscle and not, you know, people are always scared that they're going to look like Ronnie Coleman if they do like one deadlift.
0: You know what oh, I mean? Man. But uh, I
2: know. Yeah. You know, you know, I hear that all the time, especially from from women clients that yeah. are afraid to lift weights. And, uh, you, you know, I always say, man, if that were true, I would <laughs> look like Ronnie Coleman. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. if I wear a shirt that's like a little bit too big for me, I look like I've never lifted a weight in my life. So, so I think that that's a crazy fear and everybody with a little bit of muscle just looks better, you know, mm-hmm. go to the beach, go to the pool. You know, if you have a little bit of muscle, you look a lot better and you stay a lot leaner and you stay in longer, you stay in shape way longer than most people. You know, it's, it's, if you make these gains naturally and correctly and safely, then you, you live a better, healthier life. And that, that shit stays with you for a long time,
1: you know? Right. And it does seem kinda of like the world's gravitating more towards a um like a reasonable image of weightlifting and exercise. And it's even kind of nice to see a lot of the performance enhancing drug uh kind of athletes, the big bodybuilders kind of come out and talk more openly about their steroid use. Because that kind of separates the wheat from the chaff in a way, you know? Like people more so understand, okay, that guy's on performance enhancing drugs, and you know, th- I won't look like that unless I do that. And then even a lot of people who do do steroids may not have the same kind of response. You know, there's some people who are hyper responders to different things. There's some people who are hyper responders just to lifting weights. Um, And then, you know, even on the other end of that, there are some guys who are just beasts of freaking cardio who could run, you know, they never ran once before in their life, but, you know, they pick up their shoes and then once they do it once they're good to go. You know, there's a a spectrum of uh, people who are just genetic freaks.
2: Yeah, there's always something you're naturally going to be a little bit better at. You know, I was never the strongest person. I was always kind of a skinny, out of of shape kid, but I was Mm -hmm. always flexible. So, you know, looking back on it, it makes sense that I exceed in yoga because I just have a natural Mm -hmm. tendency to be flexible and, you know, put my body in crazy weird positions, I guess, which is kind of badass in a way. (laughs) But, you know, some people (laughs) are just naturally strong or they're naturally, you know, I had friends in school that you know, they looked at weights and they got veiny and shit. And I, was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I have to, I have to work out for like six months to achieve half of that, you know? And it's, um, if you're genetically inclined to bodybuild, to look good, to develop muscle and stuff, you, you probably use a little bit of steroids will probably like make you look amazing but for me I, I never tried it because like i know if i did it it just wouldn't be worth it i might look like five percent better you know mm-hmm. but they, it's not going to change the world you know if I, I i think it's great that people are coming out and talking about what they do uh, drug-wise poor performance enhancing and drug-wise because i i do think it's important but i do think it's you know people should keep in mind that those people or genetic freaks anyway. And mm-hmm. if they didn't take performance enhancing drugs, they would probably still perform and look a whole lot better than you and me.
1: Yeah, honestly. Yeah, you know? and, and that's, I think it's very, very important to hear. And especially, cause I remember even in like 2010-ish around probably when I first started working out, you'd look at these people in these magazines and like, I remember seeing Cali Muscle. It's like, this dude's huge and he's claiming to be natural or like Mike Rasheed. And right. are they, maybe? Or maybe. Mike O'Hearn, you know, Mike Tren.
0: Yeah, Mike O'Tran, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: everyone says, or he says he's natural, and
0: is he? Well,
1: maybe. You know, you've seen a picture of the dude, I think he's like 14 years old, and my God, the dude is huge.
0: Yeah. But, you know, that goes.
2: He's a freak of nature. He very well could be. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying, but I'm also not saying he's not doing every <laughs> fucking thing else in the book besides what he says he's not doing, uh-huh. and he doesn't, I mean, to, to look like that, no matter what, mm. you know, you have to work your ass off. You have, Absolutely. Be, you have to be super dedicated. Your diet has to be dialed into mm. the max and you have to live, eat and breathe like that lifestyle to look like that. And whether you're on drugs or not, I respect it, you know,
0: but I, I think
2: we, a lot of people have a, uh, you know, distorted view of, of that whole thing. So it's cool for people to come out and talk and talk about it, you know?
1: Right. Right. So, uh, I have well, never tried
2: them by the way full disclosure
1: yeah no neither have I I I've kind of looked at it and thought you know it'd be kind of cool but uh yeah you know, I guess there's there's, there's yeah. potential downsides and you know I, I feel pretty damn good where I'm at now I'm strong I would like to be stronger but you know everybody wants to be a little stronger everybody wants to be a little leaner you know whatever
0: yeah. I'm um, Never are gonna get
1: there yeah so you and I kind of had a similar deal growing up where we were both kind of heavy metal kids. Um, oh, yeah.
0: I guess Still just are. give.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, give like a brief background of kind of what brought you to heavy metal.
2: Oh, man. Um, I was always, you know, I guess horror came first. Okay. You know, I, I always kind of was attracted to, for whatever reason, the darker, weirder, more extreme side of life. I was always looking for something a little more And, um, you know, from a young age, I always wanted to watch, you know, I remember asking my mom, can we get this movie? And it was Evil Dead 2, and she's a fantastic Uh, mother. So she was like, absolutely, there's no problem with you watching this when you're three. Nothing's going to happen to you. And how I turned out. Um, (laughs) So that came first, and I think it was just a natural progression from there. Well, if that was the art and that was the movies that I was into, you know, Top 40 radio just wasn't going to cut it for me in school. And I was always looking for something a little bit more. And uh, I guess it started with, I guess, like the, the misfits were a natural next step mm-hmm. from horror movies. Um, I love the imagery of death metal a lot more than I like the music at first. Like, I like mm-hmm. looking at like the death records because they had like zombies oh,
1: on them Beautiful and, artwork. Yeah. yeah.
2: And all that artwork and even Megadeth and Iron Maiden. Like, I love. That look, that like classic metal artwork, you know. But uh, what really did it for me though, I, I was Kiss, you know, and really? Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie. They, those are the, the top three that really got me into music and going to see those shows live. I mean, the whole theatrical experience, I just was really drawn in. And that was, you know, I was a kid still, like 13, 12, you know. And, uh, you always want to look for something a little more than that, you know. When you're 10, you think Kiss are like the, these heavy metal demon rock stars, and like, oh my God, these are, they're the heaviest shit ever. And then, you know, you want you want a little bit more, and then you discover Slayer and you know Death and Cannibal Corpse, like I was talking about. And I just found myself in kind of that subculture, you know. And I was, you know, looking for myself and a place to belong. And I think that's why a lot of us fucked up kids end up in Shows like that, and in horror movies and yeah. horror conventions, and even the gym, you know, mm-hmm. even power lifting, and you know, very similar, very similar stories, very similar mentality. So,
1: yeah, where, so where that came from. what was your first concert?
2: Well, let me, I have two answers to this question one's really lame, and one's really awesome. I'm going to give you the lame one first. My, <laughs> my, my mom took me to see when i was 10 years old bon jovi and nickelback nice <laughs> yeah. and uh i thought it was cool you know i didn't really oh know yeah of course sauce, but i was yeah. like you know it was cool like it's a rock show it was at a stadium it was at hines field if you're familiar with the pittsburgh area yeah, yeah. so it's like oh shit this like a loud rock show and there's a bunch mm-hmm. of girls i'm like okay i can dig this and uh mm-hmm. What I, I went and was like, okay, I really want to go see this show. Was Mayhem Festival, the first Mayhem Festival, Slipknot was headlining because I love Slipknot.
1: Oh you know? no they, way! They, yeah. they looked like
2: fucking you know Leatherface, and I was like, yeah, this is this is mm-hmm. where I belong. So my first real concert was the first ever Mayhem Festival that was Slipknot and Disturbed were the were the two main headliners, and I was I was in since then. I was like, I have sold my soul. Here we go. You know, I mean, Machine Head was on the side stage. Five Finger Death Punch, when yeah. they had my first album, Five Finger Death Punch, it was yeah, fucking awesome, dude. You know, right? Yeah, being thirteen and it's like, yeah, I just have, I found my people, and that from there it was it was all downhill.
1: I'm kind of glad I uh, you kind of went there because uh, it's so funny. As a mechanic, I work with strictly like boomer con guys i mean these guys will tell you that you're gonna get like stabbed raped and killed at a heavy metal concert but um
2: (laughs) i've been there yes
1: yeah yeah if you go there you will not find a single angry person but you know what i hear a ton about and what i see a lot of you go to a country concert what's everybody doing they're fucking piss drunk and fighting out in the I parking am. lot. And there's yeah. people thrown off the si- thrown up off the side of their truck, you know, whatever. But you go to have a heavy metal concert, someone falls over, you pick them up, you know, you're running, you're you're up next to some sweaty fat guy that you don't even know, and you're screaming right next to each other. There's a uh, a very very awesome sense of unity there. Oh yeah, man! I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I, I actually
2: always bring up that example. I'm like, the only time I ever really ran into trouble or saw fights is when I was at this stupid fucking Kenny Chesney concert with a bunch of people, mm-hmm. you know. And you just see it was—it's like a giant frat party gone wrong. And you never, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never
1: experienced that in a metal show ever. No, right? No, even you at know? like Mayhem Festival, you know, that probably had like twenty thousand people that would go there. It never yeah. turned out to be a disaster. Even when I saw Metallica down in Baltimore wasn't like that right and even if even if like
2: somebody is like that everyone's like oh that guy is like the asshole yeah get
1: this guy the fuck out of
0: here
2: right yeah so if it happens it's it's not on that scale at all and um i think it just comes from unity and you know having a common interest in mind you know we're all here for each other and we're all here for the music and it's just this like unspoken respect you know Mm. that goes down and uh a lot of people misunderstand mosh pits for that reason. It looks yeah. like a bunch of people beating each other up, but it's really not, you know? No. It's really a bunch of people helping each other out at the end of the day, you know? Mm. It's an outlet and we're running around. And like you said, if you fall, man, you're getting picked right the fuck back up. No big yeah. deal.
1: So I remember my first concert was <laughs> Job for a Cowboy, Gwar, and Lamb of God. I was 15 years old. And I'll never Dude. forget when Gwar first came to the stage. Everybody got pushed forward. I remember odorous had a sword this was back in 2009 or 2010 at,
2: uh, where did you see the show at because i i, I was at that show I, that tour i don't know if we if we were at the same concert that'd be fucking awesome
1: <laughs> station square amphitheater in pittsburgh i
2: 100 was there bro with my oh buddy.
1: my god <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. yeah it
2: was like in the fall it was cold
1: yeah, yeah, because I remember, like yeah, cause that, I remember yeah. walking out with the food dye all over. Yeah. like holy fuck, it's cool. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The same thing, man. That was awesome, dude. That was yeah, that was one, of, that was one of my first shows.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was the first one I ever went to, and I remember walking outside the gates and feeling the ground shaking when "Job for a Cowboy" was playing. And I don't like know anything by them. I didn't like them back then. I'd be a lot more open to listen to them now, but you know, all my friends really like them. I just don't know anything about that right and like i said i just strictly remember guar going on getting absolutely soaked and hey cyborg give me that twatis pussy fuckhole!
0: From yeah jams a yeah.
1: sword into the baby and it's spraying blood everywhere oh my god i will never forget that as long as i live i think I, i've seen guar three or four more times with odorous and i met Corey smoot too their uh one guitar player who was uh flattest before uh he passed okay, away yeah. actually I never met uh yeah, yeah. dave brocky but um yeah i have seen them i want to say three or four times with odorous before they changed singers i only seen them once with the new singer with the new singer they're still pretty good but it's definitely not the same
2: not the same you know he brought something just totally unique to it uh yeah rest mm. in peace odorous your youngest. but uh absolutely is great you know they 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 know their brand they're doing it well oh. i just saw them not a month ago they were okay they were through the, they're playing uh they're on Scum Dogs of the Universe, they're like 20th anniversary tour, and they're playing the whole record, you know, God, the original. Awesome. It, it, it was a ton of fun, man. They, they're yeah. still great. Yeah.
1: Well, you know what's awesome about Gore is that they have a very, very diverse discography. I never really hear anybody talk about that, but at, like, I want to say it was, excuse me, um, 2004, Violence Has Arrived came out. And that was, like, their first dive into, like, the more heavier, thrashy kind of stuff. And okay. I absolutely love all their newer stuff past there. And not that I didn't like any of their stuff prior. I liked all, like, the more punk stuff. But, like, everything they did was fucking fantastic. Like, the I punk, you, the thrashy stuff, especially the thrashy stuff, just because I'm more of, like, a, a early 2000s metalcore kind of guy. But, uh, you know, I love the punk stuff. I love... Oh, their heavy stuff too. They're a band that really just grew in sound and was always solid.
2: I agree with you, man. I feel like they're one of those bands that, um I mean, rightfully so. They have such a huge live show. They're like a band that mm. people go see live and not listen to as much on record. But if you really yeah. give them a chance, they have some great shit. So mm. for sure. they a big Guar fan.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah that, I, show,
2: that was the first time I saw Guar, that 2009 show. And I've, I've been a fan ever since.
1: Yeah, I also saw a- I want to say it was probably my third concert. My second concert, I believe, was uh, Kiss, right? Um, I want to say it was like a year or two after that. It might have been that summer. I can't exactly recall. And then I want to say my third one was at the Station Square Amphitheater. I love that venue. It was uh, Children of Bodom, Clutch, and uh, Black Label Society.
2: Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I didn't go to that one, but uh, I bet that was great. They don't really do shows there anymore, which is disappointing because well, that was a great place.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a soccer field or something. Now I don't know if they tore down the stage or if they just don't do shows anymore. Obviously, most places now book through Stage A.E., but
0: I don't know. Yeah.
1: I, I'm, I'm a little salty about there not being a Pittsburgh Station Square Amphitheater anymore just because that was where I went to my first concert. Too, I look man. at Stage A.E., and I'm like – not the same.
2: Not the, it's same, not the same, but you know, a lot of great shows come to Stage AE. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And, and, and if you remember, before there was Stage AE, we didn't really get that uh mid sized show, you know, yeah. Uh, the um, that, that was a rare exception for bands to come to the Station Square amphitheater, you know, then uh, yeah. there was nowhere for a band like Lamb of God to go that was too big to play mm. a club. But couldn't play the Peterson Event Center or an arena, you know, when all, yeah. Stage AE came in and we started getting machine head all the time and, you know, mm. mid size acts like that. And, uh, so we're, I, I I, do love Stage AE for that reason. It really feels yeah. like Pittsburgh that we needed. And I, I'm there quite a bit. Mm. <laughs> Stage AE has a lot of my money.
1: Especially yeah. Like- yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah I don't drink nearly as much as I used to anymore my God about three or four years ago I was spending a night in a bar all the time but that was a uh, you know that was probably part of the reason why I gained a whole ton of weight and For sure. I, I guess kind of circling back to what we were talking about earlier and we can kind of wrap up after this um I thought just because I was working out I was healthy oh you know I work out I'm healthy well I was 250 pounds I I had suicidal thoughts you know and this isn't something that I like talking about because it you know I, I feel like it almost asked people for a pity party well I'm not looking for a pity party I'm just this was my experience A 250 pounds I was miserable I was achy but I thought I was healthy and I thought okay well maybe I'm just getting old you know I'm I was 23 24 at the time you know well it's just part of the aging process well little did I know once I lost a ton of weight and you know, kind of honed in on my exercise and more so holistic health, that that would be alleviated, that I wouldn't have as many aches and pains. And I guess my question to you would be, do you think that if we get more people to start training and get more people to kind of just take steps towards their health, that maybe we would see some chronic disease and small aches and pains go away? Because in my field, you know, mechanics, all these guys are old and broken. Well, you know, is it the job or is it the lifestyle? I think it's probably the lifestyle.
2: More, more often than not, you know, most people eat inflammatory diets. You know, like everything comes from what you give your body, you know. So if you give your body, you know, one of my favorite things I heard someone say once, I can't take credit for it, but uh, it was, you know, whatever you put in your body either fights disease or feeds it. You know, it's either medicine or it's poison, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're giving your body medicine on a regular basis, odds of you having less joint issues as you age, less issues, period, at any age is like astronomically higher. So if we eat and take care of ourselves just with a little bit more effort, a little bit more mindfulness, I think that will go way farther than just merely lifting weights. Because like you said before even when myself, when I started lifting weights for a while, I was, you know, I was drinking every night, eating wings and you know, you can, you can pull that off if you're mm-hmm. just going in and being a meathead in the gym. And that doesn't mean you're healthy at all. Right. In fact, it's a lot of the times, I mean, you might gain muscle and you're going to gain strength, but that's just a lot of repetitive stress on your body on top of the inflammatory diet you're eating and drinking and it becomes a physiological mess. Um, that's why I love yoga so much, because that lifestyle with yoga does not fly. It does not feel good to be hungover and do yoga. I've mm-hmm. had fantastic strength workouts when I was hungover, and I'm sure you have, too. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you, know you know, like if you drink a bunch of beer the night before, you're going to get a good pump in the gym the next day. That's a real mm-hmm. thing. Um, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, yoga, it doesn't work like that. And yoga really got me focused on okay, I have to take care of my being on the inside, you know, and I really have to like be healthy, not just go to the gym to lift and be strong and look good, because you can pull that off when you're young as you age, not not, not so much. Um so I think it's I think it's all of that. I definitely would never say no I don't want people to start working out more because of course everybody should train more but I think Mm -hmm. we really just need a whole mindset shift and a refocus on how we're treating our bodies what we're putting into it and you know how we take care of it you know you're a mechanic well you should come home and you should stretch quite a bit after after doing it Tense job like that you know your knuckles tighten up your neck tightens up your back you know mm-hmm. twisting yourself in all kinds of weird positions i can only imagine yeah you know, and those that's going to preserve yourself you know as you age um so just be more mindful of what we put in our body and how we take care of it uh, whether that's weightlifting or just stretching just eat right and live a balanced life man you know
1: i couldn't think of a better way to wrap zach go ahead plug your shit man and we'll get out of here
2: Oh, dude. Well, thank you for having me, man. Again, this was a blast. Uh, it was cool to do an interview like this. I usually it's like just music or whatever. So it was cool <laughs> to talk about health. Um, of course. Death comes lifting everywhere. That's it. Check it out. Where if you, if you Google it, you're going to find us. We're everywhere. You're not getting to you're not getting rid of me as, <laughs> as much as they'd like to, you know, <laughs> that's where we're at, man.
1: Nice. So. <laughs> nice. Well, I will put your website on the uh, show notes. Um, and uh, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a blast. Oh, yeah. let to do it again. And uh, yeah, until uh, next time, everybody, this is Liberty and Health. Take care.